Welcome back. You're listening to the One Two Three Show this afternoon with me, Karen Co. It is nine minutes past two, and uh, because it's Friday, it's a day for the Agenda Cafe. And uh, today we are talking about skin lightening. So the background to this is just last week, Johnson and Johnson announced that it's no longer going to sell skin lightening products to specific lines, which are mostly sold in Asia and in the Middle East, and uh, they include products that have been marketed as dark spot solutions. But a lot of people have recently called out the company for encouraging whiter skin tone as better than their own. And the company said, uh, and I quote, Conversations over the past few weeks highlighted that some product names or claims on our Neutrogena and Clean and Clear Dark Spot Reducer products represent fairness or white as better than your own unique skin tone. And then they said, this was never our intention. Healthy skin is beautiful skin. So today we're going to look at the phenomenon of skin lightening in Asia. You know, what its appeal is, why Asian women use products and procedures to try and lighten their skin. And we're joined by two wonderful guests. Dr. Elizabeth Lacouture, who's Program Director of the Gender Studies Program in the School of Humanities in the Faculty of Arts at the University of Hong Kong. And her current research is on the history of beauty and cosmetics in the Chinese world. And Coco Moret, who's Lifestyle Editor at Tatler Asia, and Coco covers beauty as part of her, her work. So ladies, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank thanks you. for having us. Thanks yeah, us. thanks for coming on. Yeah. So, you know, if we look at the history of skin lightening, it's, mm. it's not a new thing. I mean, during the Renaissance, um, white skin was a seen, seen, seen as a sign of modesty and virtue. Mm-hmm. And people did things like they used lead, they used mercury, mm-hmm. they right. used leeches right. to, to drain <laughs> yeah. the blood out yeah. of themselves yeah. to be white. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a new thing. Mm-hmm. But what drives the desire for white skin in Asian culture? Maybe, Elizabeth, if you want to start. Well, it's also not a new thing in um, Asia. If you read classical Chinese poetry, you'll see a lot of imagery about women's cosmetics and the things that they wore. So there's a really long history of women wearing cosmetics in China. Um, what's interesting is in the 1920s and 30s, you see a lot of talk about whitening cosmetics. So um, at that time, there's a rise of women's magazines like, you know, the Tatler of the 1930s or the Cosmo of the 1930s. <laughs> and um, they're, they're, they're advertising some products, um, cosmetic products, but they're also having sort of how-to guides, um, how use lemon juice to make your skin lighter, mm. these kinds of things. Um, but what has always interested me, and this is the question that drives my research as a historian, is why were women willing to use products that had mercury in them or products that would literally make them sick Mm -hmm. and kill them? Um, And this is sort of the mystery of um, not just Asia, but globally, why women do certain things, uh, chase certain beauty products practices that are actually dangerous that are actually dangerous let me interrupt you because i just want to tell listeners i always forget to do this we are on (laughs) facebook live um if you go to my facebook page karen on rthk radio 3 you can see and hear uh, elizabeth and coco there so elizabeth so you asked the question why? why why do you think it is i mean we're willing to die literally or get sick to be to have some ideal of beauty? Well, in it, it, and it's not just whitening, right? In all cultures, there are things that women do um, to manipulate their body, and, and pain is always relative to a particular historical moment. Mm-hmm. So we can think in the Chinese case, foot binding, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can also think of high heels in, uh, in contemporary global yeah. fashion. 
fashion, right? So there are always sort of these things that women are willing to do and to harm themselves in order to look to look beautiful. Mm. Coco, what's your take on, on the skin lightening? I mean, I think there are a lot of different uh, roots that have kind of grown to this whole idea in Asia, particularly that white is more beautiful. Um, you know, obviously, like we said before, it goes actually way before things like colonialism, you know, in early Chinese, mm -hmm. you know, in the before the first dynasty, women were already, as you said, using lead and mercury to lighten their skin. You look at the geishas in Japan, they're painting their faces white. Um, you look at old like wedding photos, you know, I grew up with a lot of friends in like who are from Cambodia or Thailand or Vietnam, you look at their wedding photos and they've been done up so their faces are completely white, like a different skin tone mm -hmm. from their body. It's just this really, yeah, long-standing belief that white is more desirable. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from that archaic idea that if you're dark-skinned, it means that you were working a laborious job out in the farm. It meant you were dirty, you were working outside, you weren't rich, you came from a lower social standing. And so I think, you know, for a long time, you know, older generations would impose those ideals on us because they were worried, I guess, that if we were too tanned or too dark skinned, people wouldn't see us as respectful in society. They would look down on you as lower class. And um, you mentioned colonialism early in yeah. your answer. And do you think that had something to do with it, that in many Asian countries that were colonized mm -hmm. by white people, yeah. the white people set the beauty standard. And so yeah. the the... Colon, the colonized yeah. were forever aspiring to that. I think so. I think, you know, I mean, obviously I wasn't around when that happened, but I think, you know, when, um, you know, the British or the Spanish or the French, you know, colonized countries around Asia, people would look at them and, you know, they, they became the superior race in those countries. And obviously, you know, the more indigenous people were seen as you know, inferior, less important, and the ones who are going to work the harder jobs to cater to those in the higher social standings. Um, so, you know, in order to be seen as one of them or aspire to be one of them, the first thing was to look like them. And of course, that means whitening your skin. Mm. I think we have like a perfect storm though, right? As we already have kind of this native preference for lightness. Mm. And then you have colonialism that comes in and introduces rate, not just the racial hierarchies, but the products, right? Mm -hmm. um, so right now we're talking about Unilever and Fair and Lovely. But one of Unilever's brands is Pons, which was sold um, all over Asia. And I find advertisements for Pons in the 1930s, right? So Europeans are selling their products mm -hmm. along with all of the ideals and aspirations. Mm -hmm. And so the, you have these two streams kind of mixing together. But what is interesting is I think the ideal in the sort of the Chinese speaking world, um, in the Korean world, in, the, in, in Japan is still an Asian ideal. Mm. Um, today, if you see advertisements for, I mean, go to go to Watson's or go to any pharmacy and look at the whitening products. Mm. It's a white Asian woman they're featuring. Right. Very rarely yeah. it's Caucasian whiteness. Um, and I always think, why didn't tanning take off? Because tanning was a sign in the 1930s of eliteness, of leisure, of it's Europeans. A, yeah. And all these things were floating around China. Girls doing athletics and sports <laughs> right. and, yeah. and, and vacationing. And yet that didn't 
take off. No. It's um, funny how there is that kind of opposite. Where in the Western world, if you're tanned, it means oh, you've been on vacation. Exactly, you can afford on, to go exactly, to some luxury like, resort. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like you know, in Western society, like being tanned is seen as oh wow, like good for you. But in Asia, it's just it's a complete opposite. And yeah. One of my favorite experiences when I was a student in China back in the 90s is my classmates and I went on vacation, you know, all these Americans, mm. and we came back tanned and healthy <laughs> from hiking. And one of the teachers, an older Chinese lady, said, you know, when you all arrived in China, you were much prettier. Your skin was really <laughs> light, and now you have dark skin and you're unattractive. Oh, no. So. Yeah, they, that's another thing with, you know, Asian culture and, and just beauty in general It's that Asians are quite honest and quite, you know, unafraid. They don't hold to, back. They do not hold back. I mean, like my grandma, every time I go back, she's like, "Oh, you've gained weight. You look so good." I'm like, "What?" Right. <laughs> you know, we can, we can, we we can blame the companies, and we yeah. should blame the companies for putting ideals out. But I will say, like, the older ladies are quite blunt and yes. help to perpetuate. It's, the it starts ideals. with the family. It, it definitely yeah. starts with the family and how you're your parents talk to you about beauty, how they respond to like, I don't know, maybe the things that you're doing to yourself as a, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, when you're younger. So for example, your mother will, will yeah. make a comment. And I was saying before the show that yeah. I like to go in the sun and spend time <laughs> on the beach and my mother will just say things like, you're so dark. Mm. And she's not saying it's bad, but just the look on her face and the tone of voice, you know, she's like, that's not a good thing. Not, that's disapproving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's curious that today, I mean, we're in the 21st century now. Why do we still hold on to those ideals? I mean, most people, I mean, not everybody, but many people live in cities. Mm -hmm. We're in a much more urbanized society. Yeah. So being darker doesn't mean you're working on a farm or you're in some yeah. low class job. Mm-hmm. No. So why why does that ideal persist? I think it's just something that becomes ingrained in you. You know, when you're younger and say like your family member looks and you're like, oh my God, you look so dark. You look like you've been working on a farm. And then, you know, you go out into, you know, the world and you have advertising blowing in your face, you know, oh, you know, I remember Fangle House was one of the really prominent whitening brands in Hong Kong when I was growing up here mm -hmm. in like late 90s, early 2000s. And it was always just like, uh, in Cantonese, like, di lang di, like, whiter is prettier. And so you're constantly being blasted with that, and it validates everything that your parents or your grandparents might have told you, and so you start to believe it, and you start to adopt that idea, and, you know, yeah, change your whole beauty routine, your habits based on that. You start using umbrellas in the sun, you start covering up, you start looking at SPF, like, 100, which, by the way, is a sham. Doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, you just kind of start to surround yourself with this idea and you lose sight of what it really means or why you're actually doing it. Hong Kong is like living in a giant duty-free shop. <laughs> I, I mean, cosmetics so is a huge industry yes. in Hong Kong. Yep. People travel from all over Asia to buy cosmetics in Hong Kong. And if you look, the advertisements are on the trams, they're on buildings, they're mm. everywhere, they're mm -hmm. in the MTR. And so, you know, young people cannot escape these images, mm -hmm. they're everywhere. So you begin with, um, you know, maybe at home with your granny mm -hmm. saying, uh, why is your skin so tan? What have you been doing? But then you go out to school and you see these things on the subway mm -hmm. and you see them in your peer group. Um, and so it's very hard for young people to escape these images. Right, exactly. And also social media. I mean, yeah. the I guess for most young women now, where are they looking for guidance about how they should look? They're looking on Instagram or on YouTube. K-pop. 
K-pop. K-pop, right. <laughs> well, and let's not just talk about the cosmetics and their advertising. Let's talk about the technology of cell phones mm. that brighten and lighten and mm -hmm. filter your skin yes. and alter it. Yes. Um, so it is perpetuating So well. those yeah. filters that many, many people use um, yeah. after they take the photo of their real selves. Um, yeah. I mean, how would you describe it, Coco? What does the filter do? The filter, I mean, for the most part, filters are definitely lightening and they blur out your skin in a way that all of your flaws, and I'm putting that in quotations, um, are just gone. You know, yeah. freckles, pimples, mm. blemishes, any sort of discoloration, even beauty spots just become washed away. Um, and, you know, we can sit here and say, oh, but you know, everyone knows it's just a filter. But the truth is, I mean, we all remember being a teenage girl and it doesn't matter whether it's a filter or not. You see this perfection and you aspire to it and you do whatever it takes to achieve it. I mean, some people, you know, like you, like we were saying earlier, will put themselves in harm's way in order to do that. You know, beyond these brightening creams and face washes, now we have like brightening capsules that people are ingesting. People are yes. taking, you know, that... Um, yeah like melanin reducing capsules really? yeah. yeah to and reduce yes. the natural reduce, melanin yes. in your skin wow. yeah and you know people are injecting themselves as well to make their skin lighter mm -hmm. and these things have proven to lead to skin cancer or kidney failure um so yeah it's it's quite dangerous i mean like you know it starts off as a filter which is like oh i look quite pretty mm. um but it can it can lead to quite a lot of harm for you know if someone who's insecure enough to yes and to, doesn't to really know it doesn't really yeah. understand the effects i or mean it's interesting or guidance you know i was thinking when them. i was growing up looking at fashion mm -hmm. magazines yes uh, definitely there were images of perfect um perfect in inverted commas yeah. looking people but and that was through what was then called airbrushing in, mm -hmm. the, in the old graphic design right. days but they were only in magazines and they were models whereas yeah. now it's everybody you we take care of yourself. Ourselves. We can airbrush ourselves. Yeah. 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 And then people are led to believe that that's how all their friends actually look all yeah. the time. <laughs> and that's how we interact socially now. You know, that's how young people date. That's how they mm -hmm. keep tabs on people. The more we are um, forced to go inside with the global pandemic, this is even more how we interact with each other. Mm. Even on a Zoom call, you can put on a filter yeah. to, to make <laughs> yes. yourself look better, right? Yes, yes. And I learned that a little too late. <laughs> I'm like, why does everyone look so good? <laughs> Just press that button, yeah. right? the beautify yes. button. <laughs> so then here we are with, mm -hmm. you know, one of the world's major pharmaceutical companies saying, we're pulling these products. So what, what do you think that affect I mean there's been quite a lot of backlash actually in Asia about people mm -hmm. being angry that they're pulling yeah. these products what, what do you think the effect is going to be Elizabeth well my feeling about the Johnson and Johnson is that I wonder if these two products were really doing that well and so and and I think I read in one statement they said oh these weren't doing that well anyway and so we pulled them um, for the other cases with L'Oreal and with um, Unilever and Fair and Lovely, it's a rebranding. So the product will still exist, we'll just use new terms. Um, and, you know, a similar racialized rebranding happened in the 80s with a toothpaste that mm. was known as Darkie. I remember that, yes. yes. And, and um, Colgate 
purchased it and they came under a lot of pressure to get rid of this racist name, mm-hmm. Darkie. They changed it to Darley, but the Chinese name stayed the same. Oh. So the Chinese characters yeah. are still black per- person toothpaste. Oh, really? And logos. Is, 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 is a white man in blackface. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> this has come up again, actually, in this global moment of rethinking brands. Mm-hmm. It's come up again and they have to they have to rebrand now. They can't, then they're trying to figure out what to do. Um, but this is interesting because you see with that case, we changed the English name and so our American consumers, our European mm-hmm. consumers are satisfied, but we still have the Chinese words. So let's see what happens on these products. Are they going to get rid of the Chinese characters for white? And that Chinese character for white doesn't just read to Hong Kongers, but it reads to women in Singapore, mm-hmm. mainland China, Japanese women, Korean women, right? This whole Northeast Asian group of women mm-hmm. who share this whiteness beauty ideal, as long as it's still written in Chinese characters, characters mm-hmm. it'll be the same thing for them mm. um, so I really I, I really feel that this is a move to pander to their um, Western customers yeah. and that um, it's unfortunate that I think Chinese women are getting caught in the politics once more mm-hmm. of Western issues mm. Mm. so you think it's more of a, a backlash um, by Westerners who are offended you know by the fact that they're they think Johnson Johnson's is 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 holding up this ideal of white being better. Yeah, I think it was a good moment for Johnson & Johnson's mm-hmm. to do something, right? Because everybody is doing something. It was something. an opportunity. And so let's, yeah. you know, this is a brand that maybe isn't doing so well anyway. Let's use this moment to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that in the case of India, there are a lot of um, people in India who were critiquing Fair and Lovely yeah. for their, their, there was a call. But still, I think they say something like nine in 10 households use this. Product right. fair it's and very lovely. popular it's still there. Very, very, very popular. Yeah. Um, so if it's not available there, they might, they might. Well, it, no, it will be called um, glow and lovely. Oh, glow and lovely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, you know. <laughs> Got to remember that. Um, but then, like Coco, we have so many other um, companies, cosmetics mm-hmm. companies, that yeah. I'm sure are still going to have the same products, like the Korean and the Japanese yeah. companies, yeah. right? Yeah. And again, I mean, there's the whole conversation of whether it actually has to do with wanting to look like a Western person, or is it really just a preference of having lighter skin? Um yeah, there's just so many brands and it's such a huge industry, like multi-billion dollar industry. I don't see it completely going away, but I think the narrative behind it and maybe some of the education, the way that we speak to like kids and teenagers about beauty ideals, um, that should and I think will change from all of mm. this. Do you think though that in places like Korea and Japan, yeah. they think there's anything wrong with it? Or do they do they feel like, oh, it's... It's totally normal. It's fine. To be honest, I think in sort of, you know, like um, like Elizabeth was saying, you know, in places like China and Korea and Japan, it's a very different situation from Southeast Asia. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember back in 2016, there was that Chinese laundry detergent commercial. Yes. yes. Do you remember yes. where... You know, the black wo- man yeah, went into the washing yeah. machine yeah, and came out. Yeah, this Chinese woman threw like a Tide Pod in his mouth and put uh-huh. him in a washing machine because she's like, oh, I'm not really attracted to him. And he comes out, this fair-skinned yeah. Asian man. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think that's a really, really sort of toxic narrative to have because it says yeah. something about dark skin being dirty. Like it's something to be washed yes. away, to be cleansed, to be fixed. Uh-huh. And it's, you know, that's obviously like wrong and not the case. And so I think that's how skin lightening, you know, becomes 
ingrained in people's minds because like oh if i look dark i look dirty so i need to like cleanse it and fix it and wipe it off um yeah so i think that's sort of quite different yeah and the people were not there was a lot of criticism for that ad um but yeah and it didn't seem like the the people who did it were that apologetic they didn't know like why did they not know this could be offensive <laughs> I think that was the point of it. <laughs> I think they absolutely did know. And I think this actually, you know, comes back to this issue talking about race, where we were questioning, is this a legacy of colonialism and trying to look mm. um, Caucasian white? I think we have to recognize that there is an ideal of um, maybe we call it Han whiteness. Right. Mm. And that there is also this racialized ideal that we see in that advertisement. Mm. So maybe until we start kind of confronting that, we mm. will continue to see yeah. um, women really being pressured to represent that racialized beauty ideal, right. like whitening yeah. their skin. OK, hold that thought there. We're just going to break for the uh, 2.30 news, but we will be back very shortly after. You're listening to The Agenda Cafe on Radio 3. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to The Agenda Cafe this afternoon on RTHK Radio 3 on The 123 Show. And we are talking about skin whitening, and I'm joined by two guests, Elizabeth LaCouture, who's program director of the Gender Studies Program in the School of Humanities at the University of Hong Kong, and Coco Moret, who's Lifestyle Editor at Tatler Asia, and Coco also covers beauty. So before the break, we were talking about a, a lot of things, the whole history of skin whitening and why uh, women do it, why women do it in Asia. Um, let's talk about some of the products. And don't forget, we are on Facebook Live. If you go to my uh, page, Karen, on Radio 3, you can see and hear Elizabeth and Coco there. So... Elizabeth, you went shopping yesterday. Well, actually, I um, sent my, my partner shopping um, for products for me that are about to go off the market and some other products. So he went into the local pharmacy um, taking pictures of all the different products and sending them to me. Do you want this one? Do you want this one? And actually, I think all the women in the in the pharmacy mobilized to help him. Um, That's and great. He, and he was like, I wonder what they were thinking. And I said, I think they probably thought you had a wife at home saying, you know, <laughs> quickly Get this one, get this get one before it's gone. Um, so um, I have a, a couple of the products that are going to be um, pulled off and rebranded. One is um, the Neutrogena, right? This their, their brightening product, a few from that line. And um, for the folks listening who can't see these products, um, I'll just describe yeah. the packaging because I have to say I was disappointed. I thought he was going to come home with boxes of these like perfect porcelain skin mm -hmm. women pic right, pictured right. on them. But the, the Neutrogena packaging is very simple. It's white and silver. Um, here's one of the packages. It says Neutrogena Clinical, so something mm -hmm. very medicinal. Yep. I mean, it looks almost like any other product from the Neutrogena Global brand. Um, and this one is the Fine Fairness um, that says it has multi-proven UV fluid. Um, the text is in English with also Chinese characters. Um, another um, product is called Bright Blue Boost. Again, in a, in a white package, except there's a little bit of pink in it. Mm. Um, I also this have... This interesting. Yeah. The L'Oreal Paris. Um, the It's called White Perfect. And... I mean, just that name in itself white kind perfect. of it like, suggests something. You need to be white to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, like you are perfectly white. <laughs> right. perfectly um, white. And I mean, even, you know, the language has a lot to do with it, which is why these brands are switching from whitening to names like brightening 
or uh, what else are they called? Glow. Glowing. Glowing. Yeah. 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 So I guess some level of political correctness there. Um, and then this white perfect one from L'Oreal says, Melanin Vanish. Oh, so, yes. can you hold that up to the yeah, for, for a second? Okay, white perfect melon. Oh, yeah, okay. Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like this is going to cop some backlash. <laughs> and also we have we have Olay, which um, that brand is actually, they have not come forward. Um, that brand, I think, is run by P&G, and mm -hmm. they have not come forward to say mm -hmm. they'll be changing anything. But I think Olay has a large market share in, in yes. Hong Kong, yeah. and this is called White Radiance. Um, light perfecting restorative cream. Okay. And again, and like quite silver, a simple white. packaging. I mean, the, mm. again, very kind of simple. It's really nothing packaging. different from your standard beauty packaging. It's, you know. Mm. And I would say each of these cost like, you know, slightly less than a hundred Hong Kong dollars or mm -hmm. like, a, you know, up to 200. So my husband thought that was really expensive. And I was like, that's not a <laughs> Yeah, but they expensive. have no idea. That's um, for all those husbands out there, that's very affordable. That is super, right. super cheap. <laughs> so, you know, and this is something you would buy in a pharmacy. I'm guessing that this would be something that I don't think a young woman would buy these no. particular right. products. I'm wondering, Coco, if you could kind of yeah. give a sense of like what are people buying and who's buying there, what? And who's buying who's what? Buying yeah. what? Yeah. I mean, from you know, like obviously working as a lifestyle editor and covering beauty, I'm constantly getting press releases of what uh, cosmetics and beauty and skincare companies are doing, and what I'm seeing is this growing trend towards. Uh, natural products, eco-friendly products, mm -hmm. um, products that, you know, I think the beauty industry was built on creating solutions, um, but it's changing now because they're starting to go towards this idea of like, oh, let's enhance what you have, you know, like it's all, it's similar to the whole fitness industry where before it was like, you know, grow your booty, you know, do this, do that. It's more about like, okay, what are your assets and how do mm -hmm. we enhance them? So it's interesting because, like I said, you know, the beauty industry is based on solutions. But when you're telling people you're beautiful as you are, what does that mean for the industry? Like when you're not offering a solution to a so-called problem, like your skin being too dark. Um, and I think you're right. Like the people who are buying these products, these brightening, whitening products are actually definitely much older. I don't mm -hmm. see people, you know, in their 20s or even early 30s buying into this whole idea of, whitening your skin, you know, mm. maybe spot correction, maybe fixing pigmentation or sun damage using things like retinol. But um, yeah, just sort of overall whitening, bleaching, they certainly wouldn't be putting themselves in danger or their health right. in any sort of danger to achieve that. Um, I mean, they do for other things, obviously, <laughs> but, but whitening, I think is really, it's, it's, um, it's, it's met its time. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. So you think the young generation of, of women now are, are thinking, why would I do that? Um, it's not or it's just not important to them. I think it's just not important. I think, you know, a lot of these women who want to have lighter skin, it comes from more of a place of not wanting wrinkles later. That's why they're, you know, taking such extreme measures with sun care. Um, but I don't think they're consciously thinking, oh, if I get too dark, I'm ugly. I think that's really starting to die off. And I think we have you know, the internet to thank a lot for that with awareness of, you know, diverse beauty ideals. Yeah. Um, 
Do you see, do you think that we see that enough in advertising? Um, I mean, there are some companies yeah. who are m- more conscious of it, of yeah. showing you know their models of a vast range of skin colors but the majority of them they pretty much look the same (laughs) i think i mean one brand that i think is doing a great job with this is rihanna's brand fenty um she came out with this like stunning line of um foundations that just covered like every single skin tone from porcelain white to like you know like ebony black and that had never really been seen in many uh makeup brands before but it's I mean, it's a really great move and should absolutely be celebrated, but it's just crazy that it's taken this long. Right. You know, it's not like... Do you think that's because cosmetics companies were run by white men? Probably. <laughs> Honestly. And I think, you know, the people, in a way, you know, beauty brands, they create products for the people who are in the ads. You know, um, people want to be like the women in the ads, so they create these products to sort of make you look like those women in the ads. But, you know, let's say 90% of women are not those women and they kind of get left behind because they're never going to have like those perfect cheekbones. They're never going to have those perfect Mm. lashes. Um, But yeah, so I think things like Fenty coming forward and celebrating um, all these different beauty ideals has been so monumental and so important. But, you know, at the same time, like I said, it's it's seen as like a novelty when it should be the norm. Right. Um, So hopefully the hype won't die and other brands will follow suit with Mm. catering to more women uh, and men too you know that's another thing right makeup yeah. is starting to cater I to think men there were always brands that sort of targeted specific ethnic groups mm. so i mean there's a long True. history yeah. of um african-american beauty products the yes. first the first female millionaire and also african-american millionaire in the united states was madam cj walker and there's a great Netflix um, series that I highly recommend people to see about sort of her history and her life. Um, so you have that history. Um, for Asian American and Asian beauty products, Shiseido has always been a global leader. And mm-hmm. in the in the 1980s and 90s, it was huge in the United States, actually. Um, but I think this idea of um, inclusive beauty, which um, mm. a lot of these, this is what um, Unilever's spokesperson came out and said, we want to put forward a more idea of inclusive beauty. Mm. This is, I think, a new marketing strategy mm-hmm. that we are going to see. Um, and I think we also have to think about how we're selling, how beauty products will be sold. Mm. Um, because mm. we're talking about print advertisements and models and mm-hmm. model ideals. Yeah. But I think that young people these days are buying no. their beauty from influencers. Yes. From uh, These In are six- things I have learned from <laughs> my students. You know, this is oh, why it's sure. great to teach yeah. university. Um, yeah. but, you know, they're, they're, they're not buying them. They, they I, I mean, what university student is buying a copy of Elle or Vogue yeah. or Cosmo not, these no. days, right? Yeah. Um, no, it's it's one hundred percent. Um, looking at you know the people they admire on Instagram, there's all these beauty bloggers, and of course there's yes. YouTube people who do tutorials yes. on things like skincare and uh, makeup and yes. and do product recommendations yeah. Yeah. and yeah. very yeah. honest, like brutally honest yeah. product mm. reviews, yeah. which I don't think people really had before. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Actually, now you get some a real person telling yeah. you this product is terrible or yeah. this like right. is this sticky. Is trash. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this democratization in a way that mm. is seductively um, it's seductively democratic. Yes. Um, so I, I noticed that when I, I taught a course called Gender, Race and Beauty that was so 
popular. We had a huge waiting list. Men and women wanted to take this class. And what I found was my Hong Kong local students, um, whether they came from like a Han Chinese background or a South Asian background, Mm -hmm. they were very quick to critique Asian beauty standards. And many of them wrote papers Mm -hmm. that were against lightning products and, you know, lightning medications, um, fair and lovely, these things. So very quick to critique Asians and themselves. And Mm. I had a student from Europe who wrote about a new European brand that this is this like inclusive brand sold by an influencer. And she loved the brand and loved the entrepreneur. (laughs) And I kept saying, do you really want to write on this paper? You you have to be critical. And and, um, she but no, she wanted to do it. She wanted to do it. And it was really hard work and by the end of the semester she finally saw it that like she finally saw it with a critical eye right, right. Uh, but these things I think it's much harder for Europeans to critique themselves and their own beauty standards for mm-hmm. one thing I think hmm. but I think the second thing is it's much harder for us to critique this new kind of inclusive beauty or right. these products that are being sold by people's Instagram mm-hmm. pictures and not by professional fashion models mm-hmm. um, so I think this is sort of the key for young people people going forward if they want to reclaim beauty ideals is not to like Mm. you know like ways in which they can practice beauty without getting kind of roped into the marketing strategies Mm. that's very true and i think you know with um influencers having platforms like instagram a lot of them are being very honest about their own beauty struggles you know people like chrissy teigen showing off her cellulite um and there's this uh, model from Bali, her name is Inka Williams, and she's quite young. I think she broke onto the scene when she was like 16, 17, and she went through a really horrible stage of acne. And she, you know, broadcasted her whole acne journey live and was like, you know, this is totally normal. I know I look perfect on Instagram, but, you know, this is what I'm yeah. battling with. And I yeah. think that's really important because before this, all we saw was, like you said, right. the marketing perfect. strategy yeah. of perfect absolute images. perfection. Yes. Yeah. I remember the singer Lord um, yeah. always <laughs> posting about, look, I have a new zit. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Very She's a beautiful girl. Yeah. She's like, oh, I had this yeah. terrible breakout. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that you know, I didn't even ask is, do these whitening products actually work? Do they actually? That's another thing. your skin or not? To be honest, I think a lot of like I w- I've been looking up, um, you know, because I'm writing a story um, mm-hmm. for Tatler on you know Asia's obsession with skin whitening products, and you know, a lot of the reviews, a lot of the critique is that they don't. They, <laughs> they don't, don't work. actually lighten They your don't skin. actually work. Um, they're just your kind of standard moisturizer. Um, unless you're doing quite extreme things like using bleach or, you know, using melanin reduction pills, I don't think there's a way to really change the pigmentation of your skin. It's not like self-tan where you're adding a layer of color. Right, yeah. Yeah. One thing I'm not entirely sure about is the laws in Hong Kong also and what we can, right. what can be sold. Um, or we might be subject to other laws because we don't manufacture any products in Hong Kong, even though we consume them like mad. Mm. Um, so there are certain things, chemicals that aren't allowed, let's say, in Japan by law, mm-hmm. but then they're put in Japanese cosmetic companies, put them into products that they send to Latin America or they send to yeah. Africa. Um, so there are still very damaging chemicals. And in some places, um, you know, people will actually create their own um, their own products, um, their own bleaching like products. Like just mixed together yeah. stuff yes. they can find from yes. the yeah. Um, yeah. chemical so there's, supplier. There's a scholar who has written on Ghana and how lower class women in Ghana actually create their mm. own bleaching mm-hmm. products, which then damages their skin and... 
Um, yeah. So, so there are still women that are really harming themselves in the pursuit of this. I wonder with um, the absence of these products, you know, with all these companies taking these products back, recalling them, does that mean that people are going to find sort of more underground DIY ways to achieve lighter skin? One of the companies, I think it was L'Oreal, their spokesperson said, this is our concern. If we take our product completely off the market, mm -hmm. then people will use unsafe mm -hmm. products. Right. They'll, they'll, um, they're determined to lighten their skin, so they'll find a way somehow. Yeah. 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 I mean, do you think, um, Coco, it seems like, you know, the younger generation mm -hmm. are do have a much more realistic um, approach to beauty and natural beauty. Mm -hmm. um, of course, you know, people spend hours trying to look natural. Yeah, that's the irony of it. It's like, it you know, you watch this YouTube tutorial, it's like 20, 30 minutes long, like, oh, my daily natural, natural? no makeup yeah. look, but you're, we've got like 20 products lined up. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, is, is this, where, where do we go from here? I mean, is, do you think skin lightening and that desire is here to stay or are we going to get over it and, and move mm. towards accepting the fact that, you know, Asians are some form of Olive, brown, yeah. um, you know, that's the way we are <laughs> genetically. I, I think, I like I said before, I don't think it's going to be a conscious, like, I must be lighter skinned. I think people are really going to, especially with what's happening now around the world, with race being such a important and prominent topic, like, I think people are really going to learn to embrace their skin. I think, um, you know, the next generation of kids are going to grow up with, you know, a very supportive base and a very supportive idea of what beauty really means um and yeah i think even just skincare brands i feel like are changing the way that we're thinking about beauty you know i, I recently did a story about you know these um, it sounds ridiculous but farm to face and there's a lot of you know companies that are taking ethics into account when it comes to skincare and i think with ethics, whether that's about, you know, agriculture, whether that's about ethically sourced ingredients or, you know, plastic free packaging, it also comes down to, you know, how we're advertising. Are we advertising ethically? Are we being responsible in what we're telling people? Um, so I think, yeah, it's definitely, I think it's definitely going to change. There's always going to be, of course, you know, older ways of thinking or, you know, people who, I think, especially in Korea, as you said, it's a very homogenous look mm -hmm. of just like white, big eyed, yes. small nose, like they, they all look had, the same. Yeah, they all have the same plastic surgery. They've had the same surgery. <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth, but, what do you think? I mean, where, where are we going in Asia with so I'm, I'm real. So I'm, I'm cynical and hopeful. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So That's I'm, a good way I'm, to put I'm it. cynical because I actually think these European brands can do whatever they want to do, but nobody cares about European beauty right now in Asia. It's Korea's hot. Mm. Korean cosmetics mm -hmm. are hot. Um, we're looking to male K-pop idols for what our skin should look like, right? right. We're not even True. looking to women. I want to so, look like BTS. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they do exactly. eyeliner than I do. Yeah, no, their skin is flawless. flawless. So, you know, I, I think that I, I don't see, like, I don't see that happen. I don't see the, the standard and the desire for lightness changing, but... I do have I do have hope in the future because um, you know I am the founding director of the first gender studies major in Hong Kong and my students are fantastic and they come to the major because they want to enact some kind of social change and I think there is this desire in um, Hong Kong with among young women and young men mm -hmm. 
to um, build a society that young that the younger generation grows up in that they can be proud mm -hmm. of what they look like, who they love, what their body shape is, yeah. and so. I think we will see change if we see more kind of grassroots nonprofit yeah. organizations um, working on issues like girl empowerment, yeah. um, body empowerment. Yeah. And you see some of this in Asia and in the United States. And I think like Hong Kong is ready for something like that. Totally. Um, I think, yeah, I think like people are tired of keeping up with, you know, one sort of. One, this one, one track standard, towards yeah. beauty and yeah you're right like there's a lot of people who are just really embracing you know individuality yeah so now's Absolutely. the time yeah now's the time well now's the yes. time <laughs> this has been this has been great i mean coco your generation's going to lead it elizabeth you're going to teach it <laughs> All right. so thank you so much for coming in today it was a great discussion thanks uh really interesting thank and thanks for, so much for buying having us. thanks to your partner for buying all those products yes. to show us. yes my <laughs> research thanks, assistant thanks, thank you exactly <laughs> okay we've been speaking with elizabeth lacouture program director of the gender studies program in the school of humanities at the university of hong kong and coco moret lifestyle editor at tatler asia who covers beauty